Good morning, church. It's so good to be with you this Sunday morning. And we're going to go ahead and continue with our series from the book of Ephesians in uh, our series called Rooted. And so we're going to start in Ephesians chapter 4 this morning. And I want to go back a little bit to the end of Ephesians chapter 3, where it goes from verse 20 to 21. It says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work in us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So God is working within us. Uh, God's power works powerfully in each and every single one of us that is a Christian. And he's able to do, according to the scripture, more, immeasurably more, than all we ask or imagine according to his power. And again, remember, this power is working in every single one of us that is a Christian. And all of us Christians together make up the body of Christ. And the body of Christ is awesome. And what it does is it brings glory to God. We bring glory to God in Christ through the church. And this is something that we should always remember. So that in our relationships, in everything that we do within the body of Christ, remember that our actions, our thoughts, every deed, every word brings glory to God. And it should bring glory to God. So we should strive to make all these things obedient to Him and surrendered to His Lordship. And so the title of today's message is rooted in the body. And so as we finished off in chapter 3 last week, uh, or actually for midweek for some of us, we're going to go ahead and continue on to chapter 4. Again, the title of today's sermon is Rooted in the Body. Let's go ahead and start off with the word of prayer. Let's go. Dear Heavenly Father, uh, we want to thank you so much for how you love us, Lord. And we do want to pray, Father, that through our, um, just our unity, through our uh, brotherhood that we share in the body, that we're able to bring glory to you in Christ through our brotherhood. God, I pray that you uh, allow us uh, to really be people that delve into your word, that really get into it and apply it in every area of our life. I pray, Father, that we could really see how your spirit works powerfully within us. And that you could do immeasurably more than we ever ask or imagine. You could do amazing miracles in our lives. Help us, Lord, to be rooted in the body. Help us to really see how important the relationships that we have in the church are. Help us stay faithful all of our lives, Lord. We want to do this to honor you and bring you glory in every single way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So... As a disciple, now I've been a disciple 26 years. So it's been a long time, probably longer than some of you have been alive. Now many of you have been disciples way longer than that uh, even. And I applaud you. That's awesome. It, it's, you know, it's exemplary uh, to uh, be in the body that long, be part of the church that long. And so I want to encourage you, keep going. Uh, you know, I, I might be closer to the finish line than some of you. Uh, but it's been an amazing, amazing experience to be a disciple this long. Uh, what an amazing honor uh, 
Uh, I'm truly blessed to be able to have not only a relationship with God, which is amazing, but a relationship with all of you. You guys are awesome. Uh, the body of Christ is amazing. And, and I want to be, every single day that I'm part of God's kingdom, I want to be rooted in the relationships that God gives me. And we're going to start with uh, point number one here is I want to encourage us, as Paul does here, to go all out in our relationships. And starting in verse one here, it says, As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Did you catch that? It says, make every effort. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. So the scripture starts out by saying that Paul, who's a prisoner of the Lord, urges us. So he's urging us to live a life that is worthy of the calling we have received. So Christ has called us to an amazing life. And again, it's an honor to be able to live the life of a disciple of Jesus. And he's saying, hey, this calling that I've given you, live up to it. Live a life that is worthy of that calling. Go all out. That's point number one. Go all out. Give it all you have. You know, the two passages here are the two uh, verses, the two first verses, he says, be completely, and then he says, make every effort. That denotes this going all out, giving everything you have. And, and you know, as I was thinking that, as I was reading this and kind of uh, meditating on it, a couple of different things came to mind, and one of them is a video that I saw a while back ago that was super inspiring to me. An example of somebody that gave their everything, that gave their all. And I wanna go ahead and show that to you right now. Let's go ahead and play that video and then we'll come back. Now look at this difference. Athletes who don't cheat can win lasting glory. And boy, did we see an astounding performance yesterday at the marathon in Austin, Texas. Here's Manuel Bajorquez. Almost done. Kenyan runner Yvonne Negetich had been in the lead for nearly 26 miles. The finish line was within sight when this happened. Overcome by exhaustion, Negetich fell onto her hands and knees, but kept going. race director John Conley was watching. I've seen athletes wobble and fall. I've seen athletes crawl across the finish line. But that story of her going 26 miles and then crawling the last 450 feet or so, uh, never seen anything like it. When the medical team rushed to help and offered a wheelchair, she refused. She's taken no for an answer. Keep on going, young lady. Negetich had still managed to come in third. Conley greeted her after the race. 
You ran the bravest race and crawled the bravest crawl I have ever seen in my life. Crawling the last 50 meters to the finish line. Negetic couldn't recall those final moments. For the last two kilometers, I don't remember. She did it! She made it! Running always, you have to keep going, going. Conley bumped up her cash prize. He says it was the least he could do. I've never heard our, our crowds that loud cheering for an athlete like, like that. It's I like mean, she won the race. She is the defining moment of that weekend for us. You are one and tough, a young lady. An image of defeat turned into triumph. Manuel Bajorquez, CBS News, Austin. Now, wasn't that super inspiring to see that young lady just give everything she had. She left it all out there. And, you know, the last however hundred meter, however many hundreds of meters, she crawled, I think it was like three or four hundred feet, she crawled to the finish line to be able to finish the race. I mean, what amazing spirit that this young lady had to know that, hey, I want to finish this thing. I want to give it my all so that when I cross that finish line, I have nothing left. I gave it all. I left it all out there. And I think that that's the spirit that Paul is really charging the church and encouraging the church to have. He says, be completely humble in verse 4. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. He's saying, do all this with all you're being with every ounce of energy that you have, every ounce of spiritual energy, give it all to being humble. You know, not being presumptuous, not being arrogant, not being prideful, being gentle in your spirit. As you talk to people, what kind of spirit do you have as you approach them? Are, are you somebody that approaches somebody in kindness and in gentleness? When people look at you, do they see somebody that is approachable? Somebody that is going to be gentle with them and patient. You know, every single one of us messes up at one time or another. Most of us, like myself, mess up every single day. And I need somebody that's going to be patient with me, that's going to be bearing with me in love. And so Paul is saying, be completely humble, gentle, patient, and bear with one another in love. What does it mean to be completely? That means everything you have, every ounce of your being. Again, and this is something that starts in the heart. You know, it, it's not just actions uh, that you do, but it starts at a heart level. You know, you got to go ahead and connect with God in a deep way and understand what He's done for you. I got to understand what God has done for me so that I could be my genuine spiritual self to others and be completely all these things that Paul is talking about. Some people have asked me, Sergio, do I need to be humble and gentle and, and completely bearing and loving and patient with everybody, even if I'm hurt? Yes, even if you are hurt. You know, there are some people who are not going to follow scriptural mandates and scriptural wisdom. Uh, maybe they're having a weak moment in their life or a weak phase of their life. Or maybe they've been rebellious to God. Maybe they're that's just where they're at in their level of maturity. 
And they might not be humble and they might not be gentle. However, it does not justify us not being humble and gentle and patient and bearing with them in love in return. You know, the scripture still calls us to do that. And so when we get connected at a heart level with God, hopefully we'll be able to be this more and more. Uh, you know, hopefully it will become who we are. Somebody that's completely humble and gentle, uh, patient, bearing with other people in love. I know I've repeated that many times. I want us to be able to get that concept. And then the next scripture or the next part of the verse continues. And he says, make every effort, every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. And then it goes on and he's saying, there's one body, one spirit. There's one hope that you were called to one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. He's repeating this one, you know, thing over again. One, 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 saying, hey, you got to be unified. There's a unity that God brings us to in Him, in Christ, in love, in hope, in the Spirit, in baptism, you know, all these different things and our connection with God, what it's going to do is going to call us to a complete unity. You know, the world is so divided right now. And Satan is seeking to divide us as well with all these different things that are going on around us. This time is really unprecedented. It's like no other. People are asking me and they're saying, Sergio, what are you going to do or what are we going to do? And I tell you what, there's only one solution to the divisiveness that exists in the world and that sometimes wants to creep into the church. And that answer is Jesus. That is the only answer to this world's problems, is Jesus. And so we got to bring Jesus to people and we got to show them this through our unity in the church. There is no solution to the world's problem with sin except Jesus. And when they look at us in our unity and how committed we are to one another, that we're making every effort to be unified through the bond of peace, that we maintain unity, that we are able to do it in peace, that we are able to unite with one another when the whole rest of the world is totally divided. People are going to ask, there's something different about those people. In Matthew chapter 5 verse 9 it says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. You know, when we let our emotions take over, our words could separate us and we are no longer peacemakers, but we get divided with one another. We get emotional. We, we start throwing things out there that we don't mean and we let Satan get in there and mess with us and divide us. Proverbs twelve eighteen says, the words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. So we don't want to be reckless. We want to be those that have wise tongues that bring healing and peace to the body of Christ. Those that bring unity to the church. Proverbs 16, 24 says, Gracious words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul, and healing to the bones. Again, once again, words that are sweet, that are gentle, that are kind, 
bring unity, they bring healing, they bring peace. And God wants us, again, to be people that are making every effort to be unified in every way. You know, our efforts have to be all out. we got to go all out in our efforts, in, in our humility, and in, in our gentleness, and our patience. we got to go all out. we got to do it completely. Remember that it starts at a heart level in our relationship with God. If we're connecting with God, and we're going all out with Him, we're going to be able to go all out in our relationship with one another in the church, and truly be rooted the way that Paul is encouraging us to be in this passage. Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to read from 11 through 16. Point number two, God equips us as a church. So God equips the church. So God equips us, this is what this passage is going to tell us, and then we in turn equip others to be able to mature one another and grow the church. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through 16, it says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So we see from this passage that God sets up the church to grow and mature through various offices and roles. You know, he sets up the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers, it says, to equip people for works of service. So everybody in the early church had a role, and everybody was involved in the work of building up the church. And so... What should we look like now? Absolutely the same, that we should all have some kind of role in the church to be able to build up the body, to build up the church, to mature it so that we're not kind of blown here and there, you know, that we're not shaken like infants, that we're not tossed about. And it's so important to be able to do this in the church for every single person to be a part of the church. Why? Because it's your church. It's my church. It's all of our church, and we should take ownership of it. We are going to make it what it's going to be. If the church is not awesome, it's not because of this person or that person. It's really because of us as a whole. You know, we should take personal responsibility to grow and mature the church. It's up to every single one of us, not just you know, the guy speaking on Sunday, or the usher on, you know, on the other day, or whoever it might be, the person doing communion, it's up to every single one of us to make the church awesome. In Romans chapter 12, verse 6 through 8, it says, We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, 
then prophesy in according with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. So you may have one of these gifts, or maybe you have multiple gifts. Whatever gift you have, you are to use it for the glory of God and to be able to build up the church and to encourage one another. And we should use it with all of our might. You know, we should do it freely. We should do it with everything we have. And again, people have different gifts. We're not all going to have the same one. Now, some of us may have, a lot of us may have the gift of encouragement and we should all use that gift. Not because somebody's using it, we should not use it. We should all use the gift that we've been given. And there are going to be many opportunities for us to serve in roles, perhaps, where not many people have that particular gift. And so, serve in that capacity. You may be serving in a capacity where you don't really have that gift, but you're developing it. And so, I want to encourage you, serve in that capacity and develop that gift. You know, we, we all, you know, may, may not have... A particular gift that we've developed, perhaps. Maybe we didn't have it naturally, is what I'm trying to say. And you've developed it, and now it's a blessing to the church. So I want to encourage you, just because you're not good at something, if you're serving in that capacity, keep working at it. And it may develop into something awesome. Now, something that we can do, just as human beings, that I want to point out, it's a little bit funny, but we do this, I do this, is that sometimes we don't mind our own gift. And, and what does that mean? Well, I'm over here, you know, I may be preaching or I may be doing something else. And then I see somebody mopping the floor or I see somebody setting up, you know, the, the equipment for the recording or the audio. And I want to go ahead and, you know, put my gift down and go over there and get involved in their gift and tell them what to do and how to do it right. And I may not know, but I just want to get involved in that. You know what I need to do at that point? I need to mind my own gift. So I want to show you a little video that's funny uh, to kind of show that point, to prove that point. So let's go ahead and go to that video right now. Why about yourself? Why about yourself? Can I help? No. I help. I don't. You can help when more out to you, okay? What can happen when you are out here? Okay. Do you have this thing? Probably. You want me to help, Rose? No. Thank you. No, thank you. What do you want me to do? What about yourself? <laughs> what about yourself? <laughs> I'll do this one, so I'm going to do that. You drive! <laughs> So that, that was a cute little video. I hope you really enjoyed that. You know, that little girl saying, worry about yourself. So we have the daddy in the front seat and the little girl in the back. And she knows how to put her seatbelt on. You know, but daddy is just all over her making sure that she's doing it. And, you know, uh, she's, she's like, hey, I got this. You know, I got this. Don't worry about it. I've done this, you know, 200 times before. Worry about yourself. And, you know, and he kept getting in there and getting in there. And she eventually said, you know, stop it. Drive! 
you drive. And his gift, obviously in that situation, is to drive. And he can't drive and worry about what she's doing at the same time. He's going to crash. So he needs to worry about himself. He needs to mind his own gifts. Sometimes we can get so involved in others' business, in what they're doing in the church and how they're doing it, that we totally forget the role or the gifts that God has given us to be able to serve in the church. And instead of becoming people that uh, are about growing and maturing the church, we become easily busybodies. So let's not do that. I don't want to focus on that, but I'm just saying this could be something that happens. Uh, so as you are working and figuring out what your gift is in the church, or perhaps developing your gift, remember that those gifts are used to be able to build up the church. We work in the church, or we give service to the church out of love. We do this to be able to help each other to grow. We do it so that we can attain to the whole measure, it says, of the fullness of Christ. We want to be able to be people that are mature. And so do it, uh, you know, build it, this says the church builds itself up in love when we each do our work. You know, our work, again, should be prompted by our love for God and then our love for people. There are so many people that are gifted in the church that I appreciate a ton. You know, Kevin Burroughs serves on the Regional Financial Advisory Committee, and he's done so, I think, for maybe like 15 years, 12 years. I don't know. It's, it's been a long time. But Kevin serves wholeheartedly, tirelessly, uh, and he works with finances, which are often not just tiresome, but they could be boring. You know, sometimes just finances is, you know, just looking at a bunch of numbers, and it, it's just you know, tiresome work, yet he does it in love. And and he says he loves it. I don't know. I, you know, that's hard to believe. I know Kevin doesn't lie, but he does it in a way that is loving and he helps us to understand it as well. And it keeps the church going in the right direction. Our sister Evelyn Iram in Riverside, she serves the children's ministry as kind of a coordinator of um, different, you know, music presentations, uh, different programs that we do uh, for Easter, for uh, for Christmas, Father's Day, Mother's Day. She she sets up different things for the kids to do to encourage the rest of the church, and she does a fantastic job. Recently, she put together a fundraiser through Hope uh, for the Philippines, and she did awesome. She's helping out her brothers and sisters, or our brothers and sisters in the Philippines that are in need. And I love Evelyn's heart. I know she does it because she's prompted by a love for God and a love for the church. I just recently got to spend uh, a little bit of time with the Orozco's uh, in, in the Rancho ministry. And they're in the Young Marriage ministry along with the West. And what an incredible two couples. And, and I, I have grown to love the Orozco's in the West in a very short time. Uh, they just have an amazing love for God and the church. And I just want to say I appreciate you guys a, a ton. Thank you for what you're doing. They're going to be setting up events uh, and calendars for the Young Marriage Ministry. Uh, and, and I know that that group is going to build itself up in love because of what 
the Orozco's and the West are willing to pour into it. And I know that they're going to inspire other people to take on different roles as well. I, I want to thank so much the, the Yesters as well in the desert cities. Uh, they are just a fountain uh, of wisdom. Not only for the desert cities, but for the whole rest of the region. Every time I see the Yesters, I just feel so drawn to them. To uh, Darren is just an amazing uh, brother to me. The talks that we've had, uh, the wisdom that he shared, and the love that uh, he gives me, you know, I'm so encouraged uh, by him. I want to encourage you to uh, go ahead and find your place in church and feel and feel good about it. Feel comfortable that you could go and kind of explore where you would fit best serving. Develop proficiency and skill at whatever it is you're doing so that then maybe you could grow you know, to a, to a bigger role or to a different role and equip somebody else to be able to take on your role or train other people to do what you're doing. As the church grows, we're going to need more and more people to serve in that capacity to do the job that you're doing. We could branch out and do a lot of different things in the church as we build it up. God has a great plan for his church. And we should work together to execute it in love. Whatever that role or office may be, do it with all of your heart. Do it with love so that we could build up the church. Apply yourself and engage at a heart level. Never do this out of duty because you feel like you have to. But do it out of a deep love for God and for one another. And we will grow and mature the church as God has ordained. Point number three, live the good life. Ephesians 4, 17 through 25, it says, So I tell you, I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learn. When you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. The scripture here, I think one of the, one of the main thoughts is that we were created to be like God. That's what it says there. We were created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So if this is what we were created to be, we have to put off our old selves. We can no longer live the way we used to live. And this starts in the way that we think. It starts in our minds. That's what the scripture says here. That they were darkened in their understanding. Right here. Right in their mind. And so we have to train ourselves to think like new people. To think 
like Christ, to put on the new self. To not go back to the way we used to think, to not go back to the things that we used to do. To separate ourselves completely from all of that. Because when we go in that direction, you know, we're no longer committed to living the life that Christ has called us to live. We're no longer rooting ourselves in the body. You know, no one ever says, I love Jesus, I want to be like Him, let me go hang out in the old neighborhood I used to hang out in and do the things I used to do. You know, you may say, I love Jesus, I want to go back and bring these people in and preach the gospel to them, but we don't start living the same way that we used to live before or think the same way that we used to think before or do those same things that we did before. People that go back to their old lives from before they were a Christian, 99.9% .9 of them go back based on feelings, not on convictions from the scriptures, not based on their deep walk with God. When somebody walks away, you can be assured that they are not walking with God closely. As people get away from God, they get closer and closer to their old way of life. And what God wants us to do, and what Paul is encouraging the brothers to do, is to leave their sinful desires in the past. You know, and none of us are immune to the temptation to go back to our old lives. And this is why Paul is writing this to the church. He's saying, hey, I want you to commit to this new way of life, putting on the new self, living this kingdom life. And this kingdom life is very different. It's unusual and perhaps weird to the world. You know, it might be a little peculiar to them. And we ourselves, as we come into the church, as we come into the body, we may find it unusual and not really understand a lot of the things that disciples do and why they do them. And sometimes disciples themselves kind of lose touch with the biblical roots of some of the things that we do within the church. And some may have a hard time explaining it. And sometimes these things then come off as legalism or rules and regulations. And I want to encourage you to not be somebody that gets thrown by some of these different things. But I want to encourage you to root yourself in living the good life in the church. Well, what does that mean exactly, Sergio? Well, it means to ask questions, get advice, seek wisdom from disciples that are mature, that are knowledgeable about the Bible. You know, talk to people that are discerning and ask them, hey, how do I put off my old self in this situation? You know, could you point out sinful desires or deceitful desires in my life? You know, every single one of us, when we want something, we could be a little bit manipulative or a lot manipulative in, in the way we do things or ask things and phrase things because often we want what we want or our hearts want what they want, and we sometimes are even deceived by our hearts and by our thoughts. But people that are mature, people that have been around a while, they know, and they can help us. And I want to encourage all of you out there that are mature, 
to be able to mentor and train people to live the good life and do it in a loving and kind and gentle way as the first part of the message, uh, you know, as we talked about in the first part of the message. You know, point things out to people in love. And if you're a younger disciple, if you're one that's maybe battling some things, remember we can't live in a vacuum as disciples. In the body, we live as one. We, we live in a community of believers. And living the good life, therefore, is a team effort. I help you, you help me, we all help one another. We cannot do it alone. We cannot be Lone Ranger disciples. We need good teammates on our side. And we need to be good teammates to others. We need to be helpful, we need to be humble, we need to be caring, and we need to be engaged. Even in times like these during COVID, where we may be in lockdown, we may be totally isolated in our homes uh, in terms of physically, uh, we may be isolated, but emotionally, we should be completely unified, in touch with one another, involved in each other's lives, because we care and we love each other and we want to help each other to live this good life. We speak honestly and in love to one another. Being able to point things out, areas that may be weak or maybe areas of strength that we encourage to build up even more. I need that in my life. Just this last week, you know, a very loving sister, I won't mention her name because she may not want to be mentioned, uh, she called me up and I know it's been on her heart for a couple of weeks and she wanted to bring up to me that I said something that was not very encouraging uh, to, to a young brother. And, you know, it, it, was, it was awesome that she was able to do that because to me, it communicated that sister loves me enough to be able to tell me what she needed to tell me. And she did it in a kind and gentle and loving way. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure that uh, this brother that uh, I wronged is going to appreciate it as well as I talk to him and we, we talk. It's, it's things like that that make the body of Christ so special. You know, that's what helps us to be rooted in the body. People that care enough to be able to say something in a loving, kind, gentle, respectful way. We need to do that for each other. That helps us to live the good life. I don't know where you're at in your life right now. Maybe you're struggling with something. Maybe you're doing well. Uh, you know, the scripture is talking about uh, the, the latter part of the scripture, uh, that there are people that, you know, struggle with impurity, uh, maybe greed, uh, you know, they've lost sensitivity, they've given themselves over, and they're indulging in all these things. There's people in the church right now that are struggling because of COVID, that are struggling with all that's going on in the world around them, some of the racial tensions, all these things, it's causing them uh, all sorts of inner conflict. And oftentimes, during times of conflict, people, instead of drawing near to God, because, because we're frail, we're fragile, we draw away from God. And then when we draw away from God, as I mentioned, we start drifting back to our old lives. And they need somebody to care enough about them to be able to reach out to them and be a loving and gentle guide back to Jesus. And so I want to encourage you to do that, to be that for somebody. You know, to go, and you should know, who haven't I seen on Sunday? Who haven't I seen on Wednesday uh, during our Zoom meetings or, or as we log on? I want to be able to help them go back to 
what they're supposed to be is somebody that was created to be like God and true righteousness and holiness. When we look at each other and when we don't see a Christ-like individual, somebody that's being like God and true righteousness and holiness, we ought to intervene in love and help each other to put off the old self and put on the new self. We got to be good neighbors, good teammates to one another in helping each other live the good life. If we're going to be rooted in the body, and I want to conclude here, if we're going to be rooted in the body, we really have to have convictions that, hey, God wants me here and he loves me and Jesus died for me to be able to give me this family that he did. And in gratitude, I ought to respond by one, going all out, leaving it all out there. I want to be completely humble and gentle and making every effort to be unified. Number two, I want to be equipped and as well equip others because God has equipped the church and given these, ro given these roles and offices to build up the body, to build up the church and mature it. And I want to be part of that. I don't want to be on the sidelines either looking at people as they're doing things and feel bad about myself or criticizing somebody else's work or office. But I want to be engaged. I want to be rooted in the body, engaged in building up the church and also equipping other people. God has something for me to do in the church and I'm going to figure out what that is and do it with all my heart. And lastly, I want to live the good life. I don't want to go back to my old life. I've already done enough of that, and that was terrible, and that was ugly, and that was hurtful to God. I want to live this good life, and I want good teammates, and I want to be a good teammate to others. Jesus died for all of this for us. And so, church, I want to encourage you, as we take the communion, remember what Jesus did by dying on the cross that he did it for you, that he did it for me, so that we could be rooted in the body and together help each other make it to heaven one day. Let's pray for the communion. Dear Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you so much for how you love us and how kind and patient you've been with each and every single one of us. God, I pray that we can imitate that. And as we take the communion, Father, help us to be people that are grateful for the cross. Help us to remember each and every day as we open up our Bibles, as we pray, what we've been forgiven of. How far you brought us. How much you've been uh, just compassionate on us when we have not deserved it. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.